Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. I I, I told Lee that I, I feel a little bit like a mosquito in a nudist colony. I know what to do, I just don't know where to start. Because this message is one that the more I dug into it, the better and bigger it got. Some of you that speak, you know what I'm talking about. You, you get digging into it, and man, it just keep, it just said, well, I should have had a series on this one. So I, I really don't know, know to start, because as I was studying this week, I ran across and noted the use of a number of prepositions. I know there's a big argument about pronouns, but this is prepositions, so we leave it. We okay. Prepositions, uh, prepositions like in him, on him, through him, with him. All things that we get through Jesus Christ. Lee mentioned it last week, mentioned one verse, but let's go to Acts chapter 4. Got a lot of scripture today. Acts chapter 4, verse 11. And we're going to read some scriptures that are scattered throughout the New Testament and even a couple in the Old that's going to sound a lot alike because how many knows the message doesn't change? I said the message doesn't change. Methods change and ways of hearing it. But in Acts chapter 4, verse 11, notice what it says. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. See, that's Old Testament, New Testament theology. Jesus, the stone, the rock, that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we, what? Must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. These men that had nothing going for them in the natural, they were not rich, they were not highly educated, they were not the intellectuals, they were just common, ordinary men. The only thing that set them apart is that they had been with Jesus. Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Said, we we can't argue with the facts. See, you can't argue with the fact of what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and what he's going to do. Those are, are facts. They had been with Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. Now, I love the New Living Translation. It says that Jesus was leading the way. Jesus was leading the way. I can tell you folks something. There's a lot of ways we can go wrong, but as long as we're following Jesus, as long as let him lead the way, Everything's going to be fine. And it says, and they were amazed. 
And those who followed him were afraid. Now, you say, well, why were they afraid? Because they were going to Jerusalem. And Jesus was leading the way. And taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, see, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. And even though he was walking to his death, he was leading the way. He was leading the way. So I've titled my message this morning, simply following Jesus. Following Jesus. We follow him in water baptism. He set the example. We follow him in being baptized with the Holy Spirit. He set the example. We follow him in submission to God. Now that's heavy. Because Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. But he never used his power to make it easier for himself. I said he never used his power to make it easier for himself. He followed him regardless of the, the cost. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. So if we're going to follow Jesus, and he's leading in the perfect path, that means that sometimes we may realize we're going to go through some trials. We're going to go through some difficulties. And I know this is contrary. This doesn't preach well in some circles. Because some people say, once you become a Christian, everything is rosy. I'm going to tell you something. That's not biblical. Jesus followed the leading of his father. Everything he did, he said, I do nothing outside of my father's will. And he was... Leading the way to Jerusalem, knowing that in a matter of days, he was going to go to the cross. But he knew something else, too. He wasn't going to stay on that cross. He knew he was going to be placed in a borrowed tomb. But he knew in three days he'd rise. So he wasn't sweating it. He knew there was going to be difficulty. He understood there was going to be trial. But listen, he was leading the way because he wanted to be obedient to his followers. We need to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. We need to understand something. When you begin to think that you're Mr. Big, you're headed for a fall. I said, because you need to understand something. God wants you. God desires you, but God don't have to have you. Amen. We have to have God. Amen. And we need to be careful. We've seen powerful, powerful, popular, and positive leaders fall when they fail to follow Jesus. Amen. Now, I want you to note with me this morning, as I told Lee in between service, this was one of those I could have spent a lot of time on and dug deeper and probably preached a series. But I want you to note with me this morning the many times that we see the words in him, speaking of Jesus, with him, speaking of Jesus, through him, speaking of Jesus, by him, speaking of Jesus, on him, speaking of Jesus. Now I want us to start with two messages from Paul and Peter. Both of them were apostles, and I want you to notice the similarities of these messages that were preached from two different locations, 
by two different men between five and eight years apart. So let's start first with Paul's in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even, even now you're not ready for it, for you're still in the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? In other words, that's God's way of saying we're still human. Even though you've been converted, even though you've become a Christian, guess what? You're still human. You've still got some of those tendencies. And for you're still of the flesh. For when one says, says I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants. What did Jesus call himself? The son of man and the servant of God. Servants through him whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He also plants, and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. That means we're doing it with him. Right? With him. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I am doing it because I am a co-laborer. Man, isn't that neat? I've never been, well, I'll, I'll take that back. I was fixing to say something. I was fixing to say I've never been a co-laborer with somebody that's really a great person. But then I've been able to minister alongside of Tommy Barnett and people like that. So that, that's true. I, I've, I've, I have ministered and talked with some great, great people. But I'm going to tell you, in the natural, I can't say I've, I've been a co-laborer with somebody great. But then I realize I'm a co-laborer with God. You are a co-laborer with God. With God. You are God's field. God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is who? What is the foundation? The stone that the builders rejected, which is Jesus Christ. Now let's go over to Peter. Again, this was written probably five, maybe closer to ten years later. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Isn't that the same thing Paul said? Long, I want to feed you milk. I want to feed you meat, but you couldn't handle it. But long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, 
Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Will not be put to shame. So the honors for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, you, yeah, you, every one of us that are believers, every one of us that are in Christ, this is for you. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your souls. Drop down to verse 21. 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might what? Follow in his steps. Follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Now let me just ask you, you don't have to vote on this, but how many of you are without sin? It's gonna be a one-sided vote. One-sided vote. We all have sinned. And come through the glory of God. Jesus was without sin. He committed, committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But continued, oh, I like this, entrusting himself to him. He continued trusting God. Now think about that. Jesus had to trust God. I said, Jesus had to trust God? And you think you can handle it by yourself? Somebody put it on Facebook, you've probably seen it. It said, some people uh, say they don't have to have Jesus to get to heaven. I have to have Jesus go to Walmart. You know? But entrusting himself to him, who judges justly, who judges justly, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live by his, by righteousness, by his wounds, his wounds, by him you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wow. Did you catch that in his steps? Entrusting himself to him. And if Jesus being fully God... Yet fully man needed to entrust himself to God. How much more? How much more do you and I need to put our trust in God? In God. Wow. Now since we're there that close, I want you to flip over to chapter 5 and read one verse. Casting all your anxieties... Some translations say cast all your cares. Some of them say cast all your stress. 
I think you get the idea. Cast them all on him. Cast them all on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Now, I'm going to go here and bring this chair. I was going to bring it earlier, but I was afraid y'all say this guy's got so old he has to have a chair to sit in. So I looked ahead. This is a chair. And I've got confidence in this chair. It looks like a chair. It sits like a chair. And it's held me up many times. Because it's the one that I usually sit in. But in order for me to prove that it's really a chair, I have to cast my cares. I have to put myself on the chair. Not in the chair, but I'm on the chair. And you know what? I have utmost confidence that this chair is going to hold me up. Now, there have been some chairs that I've sat on very, very, very carefully because I was not sure that they would hold me up. I've got a little stool at home that I know will hold me up. I just don't sit on it because nobody's, I don't have a front end loader to pick me up. (laughs) But this chair, it says, casting all my care, all myself on this chair, because guess what? This chair can hold me up. Now, I want you to know something. If I can put my trust on this chair, I can put a lot more trust on a God that's never failed. On a God that's never failed. See, this is where this message started. Early in the week, I was reading a Western. Now, I read Westerns on my Kindle because sometimes when I lay down, my mind starts churning. And so I pick up something that I don't have to think about to read. And in that book, Brother Bill, it was talked about the difference of believe, about believing in him and casting on him. Now, I believe in him because he is who he says he is. And if I believe in him, then I should be able to believe on him. That I can cast my care on him. Now, I know some of you say, well, Pastor, I do that all the time. And I understand, we're all human. We've read that twice already. It says, listen, we're human. Every one of us is human. We come in here and we will say we're laying it all on the altar. I mean, that's good. But it's not any good if you pick it up and take it out with you when you go. Leave it on the altar. Leave it on the chair. Leave it there because we cast it all on him. And did you notice as we read in all three passages previously, talked about the stone that the builders rejected. I think we all understand who that's speaking of. We are building and placing our lives not only in Jesus Christ, but on Jesus Christ. And Jesus has never, never failed. Now, I was thinking this morning, I, I, I love to fly. I don't like airports, but I love to fly. I was sold on flying the first flight I ever made. I went to a pastor's conference in New Orleans and left Tampa, Florida, and got to New Orleans five minutes before I left. 
I said, Bill, that's, that's neat. I left, at five, I left at 11 o'clock and got there at 10.55. I said, that's pretty good. I was sold on flying. But I've never personally known one of those pilots. I, ne- I don't personally know one. But I trust my life to him. Even him flying at 30,000 feet on a piece of equipment that's made by the lowest bidder. I trust him. And if I can trust a pilot that I've never met, how much more can I trust a God that's never failed me? I can believe not only in him, but on him. See, probably the most quoted verse in the Bible is John 3.16. But let's look at the passage. And I want to start at verse 14, where it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. See, until Jesus was lifted up on the cross, the story was not finished. Until he was lifted up from the grave, we had nothing to believe in. Because the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was a validation that this was the Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him should have not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved, what? Through him. Through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Wow. Wow. As that whenever I begin to think about following Jesus, a song came to my mind. What song do you think it was? Follow him. I will follow him wherever he may go. You remember that song? Awesome song. And I, I, I just looked it up. This is, this is not really part of my message. This is, this is a side fringe benefit. Okay. This song was first recorded as an instrumental. It was first an instrumental. And it was later recorded by Percy Faith. But it really became a hit in 1962. That's a long time ago. It was reported, recorded by a girl called Little Peggy March. They say, who in the world is Little Peggy March? Well, she was 15 years of age when she recorded that. And she's been the youngest female singer that's ever recorded a number one single song and says, I will follow him. I will follow him. And we realize that probably is not speaking about Jesus. It's probably a a love song, but it certainly fits. I will follow him. Wherever he may go, I'll follow him. I'll follow him. See, when Paul was sharing the gospel with the intellectuals at Athens, Now, I know some would say, well, that wasn't for me. I understand. A lot of us are not the intellectuals. But he was talking to some of the highest educated, 
most sophisticated people of his day. And he was at Mars Hill talking to these people where they worshipped other gods and where all the philosophers met to discuss. And Paul said this. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. See, they worshiped everything, and they wanted, didn't want to leave anything out, so they just named one of the altars unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hand. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needs anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having predetermined allotted periods and the boundaries of their living place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is not actually far from us. For in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. In him. Well, what about that phrase on him? We mentioned about sitting on him. We spoke about casting cares on him. But go with me over to the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah chapter 11, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus. And a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes sees or decides dispute by what he hears. In other words, God's word is true, and we need to understand that if Jesus would have the spirit of wisdom on him, how much more do you think you and I may need to have his spirit of wisdom, his spirit of knowledge, his spirit of direction? And you say, well, is that possible today? Certainly it is. That's possible because I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And when the spirit of God comes into us because we believe in him, then the spirit of God can not only come in us, but it can be on us. On us. And you see that several times in the Old Testament. Remember Samson? Samson was a rascal, wasn't he? He was a rascal. But every time he needed God, until he was totally disobedient to God, every time he needed God, he called out to God, and guess what? The Spirit came upon him. Now, let me just ask, did he deserve that? Did he earn it? Was he good enough to get it? 
No, but he got it anyway. So the Spirit comes on us. Well, what about through him? And you can see already that that's my introduction. No, I'm just teasing. But this could have went on for a long time because I began to see all these things, Gator, we depend on him, in him, with him, through him. What about through him? Well, Romans chapter 8 says, through him we're more than conquerors. Through him. I'm going to tell you, without him, we're going to fail. But through him, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Through him, you and I, the church, have given the spirit and the ministry of reconciliation. How many thinks that that's needed in the world today? We need the spirit of reconciliation. We need somebody to bring peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. And the only way we can do that is what? Through him. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 18. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Did you catch that? We have access to him through the spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself, here's this word again, being the, what? Cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into the holy temple in the Lord. In him, you're also being built together into a dwelling for God, place for God by the Spirit. God's building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God is still on the throne, and it's only through him that we can be more than conquerors. It's only through him that we can be the person that God wants us to be. But with him, all things are possible. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Or excuse me, let's drop down to verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Now, let me just, I could, I could spend an hour on this. He has given us of his spirit. It doesn't matter how much of the spirit you have, you haven't gotten all of it. He's got more to give you. So you say, well, man, I'm very spiritual. That's okay. God still has another dose for you. 
And if you don't think you got anything, God's got something for you. He's got what you need. He said of his spirit, he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God abides in, in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, what in the world does that mean? Let me tell you in Oxford English. It means if you're walking and following Jesus, you don't need to worry about the future. Because God's got it taken care of. He's already paid for the price. He's already paid for your sins. He's already balanced the books. He's taken care of that. You say, well, what if I don't believe that? Then you've got a problem. Because the bill is still owed. The bill is still owed. But if you received the payment of that bill, then you are in him. And you do not need to fear the judgment. You do not need to walk in fear of God. Because God loves you with an everlasting love. Now he said, well, what if I don't believe that? You don't have to. Then you're just going to have to stand before the judge later on. And say, God, I'm on a pre-nolo contender. I'm going to cast myself on your mercy. And I'm going to tell you, at that time, it's too late for God's mercy. Because he's already spread it. Wow. There are so many in Christ. In him. On him. Through him. With him. We could go on and on. But I want us to close with three promises. Three scriptures of some great promises. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Wow. Appear with Christ? You take the most famous person you've ever met. He doesn't stack up with Jesus. And we get to appear with him in glory. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath. Wednesday night, and I have to tell you, I've never thought about this, but Wednesday night I preached and talked about Lot and Noah. Noah was taken out of the earth along with just seven others, just his family. His wife and his sons and daughters. That was all. Because the wrath of God was getting ready to be poured out. And the earth was going to be destroyed by fire. And for a hundred years, Noah preached. 
and tried to get them to avoid the raft. But one day the rain started and God had closed the door and only those that were in the ark were rescued. I think we could say that Noah was raptured off the earth. How about Lot? Abraham begged for Lot and said, Lord, would you spare Sodom if 50 godly people could be found? It got down to five. They couldn't find any. He says, just Lot, a righteous Lot. Lot and his two daughters, three people out of that city were what? Raptured out. Why? And so they did not receive the wrath of God. One of these days, the wrath of God's going to be poured out on this world. I said, the wrath of God's going to be poured out. And if we have not put our faith and trust in God, that wrath of God will be for us. But if we have put our faith and trust in God, we're going to be taken out. Wow. Oh, man. Oh, hallelujah. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or sleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. Keep on encouraging one another. Keep on believing one another. Keep on praying for one another because we're going to escape the wrath of this world. Whenever it comes, we're going to be escaping because we're going to live with Jesus. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Mm. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. Knowing that he, who's the he who raised Jesus from the dead? Who raised Jesus from the dead? God. He who raised Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. And bring us with you into his presence. For it is for all for your sake. Though it is grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. So we don't get sweat. We don't get upset when we get uh, hear the news. When we worry about who's going to win or lose the next election. When we worry about the prices of this and that. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. By Jesus Christ. By the Holy Spirit. As God the Father, God the Son lives in us. We've got a lot to be thankful for. We've got a lot to be thankful for as our worship team comes to the platform. I just want to reiterate, we believe in him. We trust on him. We have conquered with through him and we're living with him. What a promise of God's word.
We need to be ever thankful today as we celebrate communion, as we celebrate the death burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I can tell you, He's available. He's here today. And as Lee's already said about healing, by His stripes we are healed. We've preached that. So today as we're partaking of communion, as we're worshiping the Lord, we're going to believe the Lord to minister and meet needs throughout this congregation. And if you have a need that you need to come forward and be prayed for of sickness, we're going to believe God with you. Some of you need to cast your care on the Lord. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.